this thing about um, learning to give, I want to talk to you about tonight uh, my introduction to how uh, I learned and what I had to figure out that the Lord taught me, so I hope that will help you. I'm on now, right? Um, I want you to understand before we get started what I'm talking about when I talk about giving is not about money and possessions. Learning to give is not about money and possessions. Learning to give is about obedience and your love for God. It just so happens that money and possessions is just the currency that got the stuff that God decided to use to prove our obedience and our love. Let me say it again. It's about obedience and your love to God. It's not about your money and your material stuff. That just happens to be the currency or the stuff that God chose to use in our lives to prove. Okay, if I were to ask you, um, prove to me your love and obedience to God uh, with your money and material things, what would you do? What if I said just prove your obedience? What does the Bible say on how you can prove your obedience and love to God? You could start naming off a whole lot of stuff, but it gets closer and closer and closer when you talk, start talking about your stuff and your money. Now it becomes personal. Now we say like, oh, money doesn't mean that much to me. I just try to use it wisely. Okay, then go ahead and give it. Let's take up another offering. But it does, and God knows that. I never could figure out why God would attach this thing about money to all of his work down here. But it is. You can't do anything in the ministry down here to affect the world other than prayer, don't get my spirits up again, than material things and money. I don't care where you go. I don't care if you went to Ghana, Pakistan. I don't care if you can go to the poorest country in the world, the richest country in the world. In order to do anything, it seems to take money, currency, material things of some kind. So we have to learn this. If you were not raised in a proper biblical Christian home, you had to learn this thing about giving. Because it is not naturally us. We do not naturally want to give away stuff. Especially if we work for it and we put our claim to it and somebody has told us it's all ours now. We have a real tough time letting that go even for right reasons. When I first got saved, I was thinking the other day, I forget who I was talking to, it might have been Brother Celier, and I thought to myself, you know why it was so, it, it, the world really didn't pull on me a lot. Now I had a lot of sins, but as soon as I got saved, that was done. I'm done with that stuff. But what was hard for me, what was hard for me that I had to learn that, that, that the devil didn't have anything to take from me. I didn't have any friends, no job, no house, no place to live. I had my clothes and living with my mom. So it wasn't like if I go all out for God, I'll be losing this or I'll be losing that or he'll attack that. I didn't have anything. A lot of people do. They come to Christ. And the Bible, when it talks about the sower and some fell uh, among thorns, and that's what happens. A lot of the stuff of this world just chokes the daylights out of them, and they find it really hard to get a good start because it, when it says it chokes the life out of them, it's talking about what you should be giving to God and producing for Him. And the cares of this life just slowly choke that out of you until you can't produce anything. So it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. When I got saved, I really did love the Lord. I loved the Lord, and I wanted to obey the Lord, uh, but I wanted to give. I've told you this before, and it's absolutely true. I would sit in church services and actually cry because other people were giving, and I didn't, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. And uh, the church that I first got saved in, they didn't teach tithes and offerings. Not at all. They didn't teach any of that at all. So I had to learn all this as I went along. When I gave, I thought to myself, if I have it, I'll give. And when I don't, God understands. Now, again, remember, we're not talking about equal giving. We're talking about proportionate giving, right? The Bible said, he told his disciples, said, look at these people. See, they're giving of their abundance. He wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. He said they, they should. That's why they've got an abundance. This woman doesn't have an abundance. She's barely getting by and gave it all. He said, now that's giving. That's really something there. That's sacrificial giving. And that's a, that's a whole new level. I wanted to live pleasing to the Lord. I'm assuming you do too. I really did. I wasn't sure what all that meant, but I wanted to. I had a willing mind. The Bible says first there must be a willing mind. 
Okay, you can't be fussing about everything and say, I still want to do what God wants me to do. It doesn't work that way. The Bible said there first must be a willing mind. I wasn't, by that I mean, I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking through scriptures to find why I didn't have to give. I was just trying to figure out how I can obey what God told me to do. I didn't know how to go about it yet, and I wasn't sure what all that meant yet, but I wanted to learn how to be a be, be pleasing to God. I had to learn what God teaches is what I should do. Okay? That's a willing mind. Whatever God teaches, that's what I should do. You don't approach the Bible going, well, it says that, but you know something? I'm not sure I can. See, you're fussing in your mind. There must first be a willing mind. I want to please God. Whatever God shows me, whatever I am taught that's in the Bible and right, I want to do that. There first has to be a willing mind. I wanted to do that. Now, over the years... Over the decades, I have still and still am learning to be a better, listen to what I'm saying, giver. I had to even learn what all the tithes meant. You said 10%, but what does that apply to? I had to learn that. I had to learn what a tithe meant. I'll show you where I think we as preachers, uh, not meaning to, have misled people by the words that we use. Here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Why some do not tithe and give offerings. That's very, very simple, if you would. Uh, why some do not tithe and give offerings, number one. Some have not been taught to give. And that's true. I wasn't. When I first got saved, nobody taught. They didn't, of course, they didn't teach on missions. They didn't teach separation from God. A lot of things they didn't teach on. And so I had to learn. And when I finally picked up a book or my brother, who happened to be my pastor also, started talking about tithes and offerings, in my mind, I'm just thinking, it didn't, it didn't logic. It didn't make sense. How am I supposed to give when I can't even pay my bills? How am I supposed to give when I can't even buy groceries for my family yet? How can I give when I'm behind on things like that? And that's what you're thinking about. Remember, the tithe is not yours to begin with. So there's no sense even thinking about that. The tithe is the Lord's. He put his stamp on it and said, that's mine. So don't even bring that in the equation. What we do, we take 100% of everything that we have been blessed with. Notice I didn't just say made. And we begin to pull away from there what we can and can't do and give what's left. We'll talk about that in a minute. No one is born in this world or born again and just automatically, naturally knows and understands biblical giving. Nobody does that. It's not like, oh, yeah, you may have grown up that way. And so you, you think it's natural, but that's not what happens. Giving offerings, tithing and giving offerings. Understand, when you tithe, you haven't given anything yet. That's the Lord's. That proves that you're honest, okay? And even in that, I don't think most of us are tithing. I didn't say everybody. I said most of us. The reason why we haven't been taught properly. In Psalm chapter number 68, turn there. I want to show you something here. Let me show you uh, when the Bible talks about tithes and offerings, what is he talking about? You say, well, that's mine, and that's mine, and, and that was given to me, and I don't understand this, and I don't know why I have to. We start slicing up the pie uh, pretty thin, and I like big pieces of pie if I'm going to eat them, and so uh, that's what I like. Psalm 68, verse number 19, watch what it says. Blessed be the Lord, now watch this, watch this, who daily pinches out little things for us to survive on. No, he daily loadeth us with what? Benefits. Didn't just say money, said benefits. Now here's where the spiritual person goes, yes, he's talking about peace and joy. and yeah, What about your wallet? He didn't, he didn't prosper that either. He, he didn't benefit that. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Okay, stop right there and think about it. Just meditate on that a little bit. Think about who he is, what he's doing. Now I want you to go to Psalm 24 and verse number 1. Psalm 24 and verse number 1. Psalm 24 and verse number 1. Ready? Now let's just, if, if, we, if we should bless the Lord with what he has given us, then watch this. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness, that's everything that's in it, it says. And the world, and they that dwell in it. That about covers everything, doesn't it? So God said, I'm putting my claim on everything. It all belongs to me. I created it. I created it for me. 
God created not for us. He created for him. He even created us for him. Everything in the world belongs to him. God owns everything. We are using his things. Now we're going back to talking about stewardship. A steward like uh, Joseph, when he went to Potiphar's, remember when he was talking to his wife, said, said uh, the master has given me everything to watch over and take care of for it, except for you. What he was saying was it all belongs to him. None of this stuff is mine. I'm watching over his money and his wheat, and I'm watching over his house, and I'm watching over his other service. I'm doing all, it all belongs, none of this is mine. I'm doing this for him. And so we have to understand that's called stewardship. It is a person handling properly what belongs to someone else. You follow me? So the Bible, God says right here, he puts his claim, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell therein. God owns everything. God owns, and what he's doing, if you would, he's letting us use his stuff. When's the last time you thank God for allowing you to breathe? I'm not sure when the last time I did that. You know who gave you the breath of life? God did that. You know that house you have? You say, yeah, I worked hard for that. You know who gave you the strength you have? You know who gave you the job you had? Do you know whose earth you built that house on? It all belongs to God. You've got to get this in your mind. It, first of all, it's all his. He puts his claim on 10% and says the tithe is mine, though even most of us, I'm, I'm persuaded, we, don't under, we think tithe is 10% of the money I earn. We'll talk about that in a minute. We are using his things, living in his world and existing because of the things that he provides for us. He provides all this stuff for us. Now, see, our world has got us think. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I worked hard for what I got. I'm not saying you didn't. But what would happen had God taken you from America and put you someplace else? What would have happened if you ended up with half of a family instead of the family you have right now? What would happen if you didn't have health to do what you're doing right now, like a lot of people in our world? God daily loadeth us with benefit. You have to understand the world is his, the fullness of it, the earth, it, it all, everything is his. The air you're breathing is his. The chair you're sitting on is his. These buildings are his. Your children are his. Everything that you have, if you start looking at it like everything I have, I really don't own. God has given it to me to use properly. That's all. I have to use it properly. So to uh, require us to show appreciation and that we can be trusted, God set up the practice of tithes and offerings. The same as what would be proper if someone allowed you to live in a house that they own. Now, in America, we go like this, man, I don't even have to pay for that. Uh, that's not proper. That, that's a word everybody ought to learn again. When it comes to your kids, your marriage, your money, everything you do, there's a certain thing that used to just be proper. We don't seem to know what that is anymore. And so what happened, what would be proper is to require some type of payment to say thank you. When somebody allows me to borrow their car or, or whatever the case may be or their lawnmower or whatever, I clean it up, I put gas back in it, and I tell them thank you. You say it wasn't full when you got it. Well, it will be when I take it back. If I break it, I didn't mean to. No, I pay for it. I fix it. I make it right. Why? It's just proper. It's just a right thing to do. It didn't belong to me. I don't have a right to make excuse for it that, okay, what do you want me to do? No, you should never ask that. Go get the thing fixed. Fill it back up with gas. Take it back like it was, if not better. Why? Because it belongs to somebody else. We've got to get back into this mindset once again. There are many people do not obey God in giving tithes and offerings. They just don't because they haven't been taught. Now, for those of you that are new in this church, and most of them are not here right now, but when I first got saved, I never, what, what is it? What is it? Pay? Tithe? What is it? A tithe. What is a tithe? And we act like, oh, come on, everybody. No. Sometimes those of us, we've been saved too long. We think what's common to us is common to everybody. It's not. And when I first got saved, I didn't know what a tithy was. Offerings? I mean, like lambs and goats? No, what are we doing here? Uh, 
have no, I had to learn this. And it was kind of foreign, and it kind of caught me off guard, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not that I didn't want to please the Lord. I just didn't know how. I didn't know what was required of me to do that. So first of all, some have not been taught to obey what God says. Number two, some do not set their tithes and offerings aside first. Now, this is a big problem, isn't it? What am I saying? When you get paid, you receive an increase uh, or, or receive an increase of any kind. Understand, I didn't just say pay. Increase of any kind. The last thing many people do is set aside their tithes and offerings after everything else has been taken care of. The job, without even asking you, takes out everything the law requires. They didn't even ask you. Then, that you? Then gets taken out everything you want taken out. So the job takes out everything it wants, and then you, by permission when you got on the job or sometime along there, started telling them things like, uh, yeah, I'd like uh, more deductions taken out. I want my savings taken out. I want 401k taken out. I want my insurance taken out. I want extra taxes taken out so I don't have to pay it later on. And then by the time you're done, you're making a dollar fifty, And you think that's what you're supposed to tie the given offering on with. And so when the preacher says, hey, we need to give extra, you go, there's no way. So God has not helped you to increase at all. Well, according to just what you have left over after you've paid everything else, you paid everything else, Uncle Sam took everything it wanted, Aunt Lucy took everything she wanted, company took everything it wanted, you gave away everything, you said I want that taken out, that taken out, and extra of this taken out so I can get it at the end of the year, which really is the smartest thing to do, but whatever. And now... There's no more money left to give for the support of the church that God put you in. Right off the top, it's called the gross amount. It's, it's on your, it's, it's, there's a record of it somewhere. The gross amount, not after taxes, not after your 401k, not after your savings, not after your insurance. You look at that point that goes like, I made $1,000, and by the time everything's done, you make a buck fifty. Yeah, it's this $1,000 over here. It's not the buck fifty that's left, okay? That's called gross, and you say, it is gross. I don't make enough. So what happens here is this. After all this is done, there's no more money left to give in support of the church that God has blessed you with. Right off the top, the gross amount before anything is deducted or paid of everything that increases you, not just the money you make. You know, a lot of people make a lot of money on the side, on the internet and selling things and stuff like that. You know that? You say, but I, I really didn't work for that. If you want to nickel and dime God to death, you help yourself. I'm not going to do that. So, right off the top, right off the top, everything God prospers you, 10% of whatever that is, everything, everything. I didn't say labor and work for it. Everything God prospers you with. Okay, would you be farther ahead if somebody hadn't given you that? Would you be better or worse off had that not happened? Would you, all of this God is prospering you. It's not all just cash, which sometimes preachers, we kind of talk this way, and you go, yeah, I get paid every two weeks. We say that, but it's more than just that. It's being prospered. That's what the Bible uses. It uses those terms is what it uses. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. When I started doing this, first of all, I had to really be convicted about it, and I don't think you have to be. I think if God says it, that ought to be good enough. We'll just go along with that. Everything that increases and prospers you, 10% of that goes directly to God and an offering for God's blessings. Notice, notice in none of that I said cash only or what you work for, though that's included. Now, here's what you're thinking. Man, that's not going to leave me anything to live on. I was talking to uh, people even today, and I said, isn't it amazing? Before you got saved, sometimes you got 
two or three different jobs. You and your wife both are working five jobs apiece and, and just barely making ends meet. And then all of a sudden you get things right with God and, and she decides to stay home and take care of the kids and there you are working on your own and you're still making ends meet and living a better place and you're driving a better car and things are going okay. And it's really hard to believe. When we went to college, I mean, I went from making 50-some thousand dollars down to making minimum wage at best and laying carpet for $1.90 a yard. All of my kids were in a Christian school, which we had to pay for. My wife and I both were in a Christian college, which we had to pay for. You say, how'd you do it? To this day, I don't know how. I do not know how. Here's what happens. We try to reason on how we'll make ends meet instead of trusting God to help us make ends meet. And I'll tell you right now, I work like, like, like crazy. I worked hard. I worked all the time. By the way, God blesses all labor. There is profit in all labor. So if you're lazy waiting on the Lord to, to fulfill his promise, it ain't going to happen. God never blesses a lazy man. God cannot use a lazy man. God can use a murderer, but he can't use a lazy man. Why? Because it won't be used. So here's what happens. Look in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you. By the way, this would be the husband and the wife. Seriously, I'm not poking at anybody. Do you know if your husband is tithing and giving an offering? That's his money. Okay. Sir, do you know if your wife is? You know you both live in the same house. Lay it aside, every one of you, lay by him in store. In other words, set it aside, get ready, as God has, not what you work for. See that word right there? Prospered him. As God prospered you. Prospered you. Uh, there you are, you're running up some hospital bills, and then they realize they made a mistake, and they give you back. Okay, recently I got uh, this whole thing about mortgage. I'm not sure those people know what they're doing. They tell me one time, oh, your mortgage, because we... we uh, miscalculated is going up $600. So you have to pay all that up front, so it'll cost you about you know $9,000 a month. That's happened to me twice, not that expensive. They turn right around two years later and said, oh, we made a mistake, we need to give you back $3,000. But they just recently did it again, but it was like 600 some dollars. You say, oh, good, we've got extra money now. Yeah, I did. It really prospered me. It sure did. And I put in 60, almost 70 some dollars plus an offering. He said, but preacher, you, you already paid on it. God prospered me. I was better off by what just happened. I was able to buy my wife groceries and perfume and a dress and whatever. You know how women are. And uh, do all this. I'm kidding. And uh, do all this. Hey, listen, I paid it out. I wasn't expecting it back. I wasn't planning it back. Somehow it came back to me and it prospered me. Now, it's not just cash. There are a lot of other things that we can talk about. So what happens here, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Paul was trying to get money to help a local church, and he needed people to give offerings to help. I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm talking about offerings. I, I, if you could give, that would be great. And we could learn about the Macedonian church, which you'll learn in another lesson. So number one, some the reason they don't tithe and give offerings, some haven't been taught about what God says about it. They just, preacher, I didn't know that. That's honest. But now that you do, let's be honest. Number two, some do not set their tithes and offerings aside first. Everything else comes out first. And you go, oh, honey, oh, I forgot. we got to pay tithes too. We do it just the other way around. We're going to live on whatever's left. After we tithe and give offerings. After. What if you can't make ends meet? Well, I'm still here, and we're still making ends meet. See, you're too worried about what you can and can't do. You have to sooner or later start learning how to rely upon the Lord, work hard, get another job, make ends meet, quit spending so much. Quit. You know something? If you made $100,000, okay, let's say you made $500,000 a year. You say, man, could I really live on that? If you spent $510,000, you're in the hole. If you make 90000 a year, which I guess is pretty good in America, 50, what is it, average 50-something? What was it, 50, 60,000, something like that? If you did that, I know people earning a lot less than that, and they're doing pretty good. 
it's not always how much you make. It's how you handle what you have. You understand? You can't keep spending. Look, you can only work so many jobs. I mean, after you get five jobs, what else? But there's only 24 hours in a day. You can't just keep working and spending and working and spending. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to pay for this. And guess who normally gets the short end of the stick? The church. God's bride. And so, number three, some have not made giving a habit. It's just that simple. It's just not a habit to you. Do you recall, I, I do, the first time when you decided, I'm going to pay all my tithes and offerings just like I'm supposed to. And that plate came along and you gave a wave offering and you put it in your room. I, I can't remember what you told me. And uh, I felt so good about myself. I thought, look at me. I did that. So everybody pays tithes. Yes, sir. Amen. Did that. Man, I felt good about myself. You remember, hopefully you remember when you did that. Do you know you could feel like that every week? And by the way, see, you're just, you're only waiting every two weeks when you get what? Paid. It doesn't say that. So God hasn't prospered you throughout any week other than on payday. Now you're saying, so he wants everything? No, he already owns everything. He just wants to know what you're going to do with it. You understand? You know, please don't look. It's not me that's missing out on the blessings. My wife and I, we give more now than we ever have in our life, and I don't, I'm not missing out on anything. God keeps his promises. There's no doubt about that. You should be able to feel that way every week if you obey the Lord. Leadership, here's what I want to tell you. Leadership sometimes makes it sound like it's only monetary or money, because we'll say, now look, a lot of people in our church only get paid two times a week. We never mention anything else. Or some of you get paid by commission, money, cash, monetary. And it sounds like the only thing we're supposed to tithe give offering off of is what we earn cash in. Well, what about God? What he profited you? What benefited you? You ever, somebody here not long ago, got a check from something they weren't even expecting. It came out of nowhere. Something they had done, a previous job or something, and they said to themselves, you won't believe it. The first thing they said was, now we'll be able to give more to this church. Is that your first thought? Or, I didn't go to Maui. Oh, you want to go to Maui? I'm not against you going to Maui. It's a beautiful place. I'm not against that at all. But was that your first thought? Now we can buy something else. Now we can pay that off so we can do something else. Everything's about us and our family. You still have to buy groceries. From the looks of things, most of us are doing okay in the grocery department. Okay. So what's happening here? Leadership sometimes in explaining church finances talks about monetary payment. Talk about every two weeks most people get paid. People get paid commission. Some people get paid by the job. And we, so it sounds like we're just talking about the things that you earn and money. But that's not what God talks about. So believing I only tithe and give offerings off of money that I earn. This is what we think. Well, preacher, you know, you only get paid every two weeks. It's not always your fault. Sometimes even I have said, look, some of you folks get paid every two weeks. Where's your tithes and offerings? Well, you still should tithe and give offering off of that, but that's not all God talks about. The earth is the Lord's. Where do you live? On the earth and the fullness thereof. Everything, breathe, walk, house, grass, sunshine, air, everything, all that belongs to God. How nice of him to say, you can go ahead and use it. What would you do if God said, 90% I'm putting my claim to, you figure out how to live off 10%. But he didn't say that. It's really not about money and material things. It's about obedience and your life. It's not about money. Look, heaven, God said, you know that stuff people kill and, and ruin nations over, gold? Yeah, I, I use it for pavement now. Pavement. Streets. Jasper walls. Really? Are you kidding me? Gate. One gate. A pearl. Are you kidding me? I never see the pearl that bad. I like to see the oyster. The 
stuff that we hold in great value, I think God on purpose said, that's building material. Why? Because that's not what's important. What's important is how you handle it that God gave you. You understand? That has, to, that has to get in there somewhere if you do that. So as God prospered you on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, by the way. Not just when you get paid. That would be every two weeks for most of you. Every week you should go back and look and say, Honey, um, what did we do with that? And, and did you sell that? And, and did that come through? And you got a kickback on that, didn't you? And, and did we prosper off of that? You know, sometimes they cut your electric bill. Well, no, it's not your electric bill. Uh, gas bill or whatever. Did it benefit you? Did it prosper you? You said, Preacher, you're asking me to give away everything that's helping us to get ahead? Just ask you to do what God told you to do. You do remember, we love the story of the widow with the two mites, don't we? Oh, bless her heart, look what she did. I'm not about ready to do that. Just remember, without faith, it is impossible. Impossible. I don't care how else you're living, if you're not living by faith. You can be the cleanest person in the world if you're not living by faith. You're not pleasing to God. So I did what a great preacher said. Put yourself back in a position That's scary. That's where you started, living by faith. So what happens here is this. Do not make or redecide every week whether you should tithe or give. You look at your finances and think, oh, no, this time, no, this is. The more you have to make or think you should redecide, the more likely you are to decide wrong. I'm not saying do it mindlessly. Just do it first thing. Do it right off the bat. Make a habit of it every week. As soon as you sit down, you get that paycheck. Ask you, honey, how did we do this week? Anything come in? Anything we did? Did you sell anything? What's going on? Did we get a kickback from anything? Okay. It's not payday. That's not for another week. But how about in this week, did God prosper you at all? If it did, tithe. And give an offering. You say, how much? I don't know. What did you tell God you wanted to do? That's what you ought to do. And then you need to increase that as God helps you, okay? So number one, some have not been taught what God says. Some do not set their tithes aside, uh, tithes and offerings aside until the first. They just don't do it. It's an afterthought. Some have not made giving a habit, number four. Some have not accepted tithe as New Testament Christianity. I've had people in, in this church over the decades come to me and say, you know something, I, I don't see that in the New Testament. I said, then don't tithe. Oh, no, they, they said, I'm sorry, I never, I never told anybody to do that. They said, I don't see where I have to. Do I have to? And I said, that's not up to me. I'm not the one who told you to do it to begin with. Isn't it amazing? We love this church. We love the comfort. We love the walls. We love its location. We love everything about it. But we're not giving to it. When I say we, I'm, you know I'm not talking about everybody in here. Now, so what happens is, some say this was not the way that I was raised, and I just can't accept this. Well, I started off in a church, never talked about it at all. You know, you could learn. If the habit of what you've been taught is wrong, it's this simple. It's wrong. We need to change, okay? Me, I was taught uh, by a church that, that when I first got saved, uh, Biblical giving and tithing, they never talked about it. All. You give from your heart. I don't know how they made that work. To your local church is what God requires to support his work. The majority of Christians listen too much to what man says about whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, and you will not get in the Bible and search it out prayerfully and find out for yourself if God still requires tithes and offerings. We tend to believe that if it doesn't say tithes and offerings, that means you don't have to. Again, can I use this crude illustration? It doesn't say you can't drink light beer from Walmart. Well, I guess we can. It doesn't say you can't stab your neighbor 16 times, so I guess we can. If you're going to go through your Christian life putting God to the wall and making him prove everything that you ought to do, you really don't love the Lord like you think. 
So what happens here is this. The majority of Christians listen too much to only what man says and never study for themselves to find out if it's a New Testament commandment for themselves to find out if that's what it is. So continue to go on in willful ignorance. Well, I just don't know. Have you studied it out? Well, you know, I've heard it. I didn't ask you what you heard. I'm asking you if you prayerfully. Okay, how could God show me, who's a brand new Christian, knew hardly no Bible, that it was right and convicted me about the whole thing? How's that possible? Because some people just have it right in their pocket. They want to live in ignorance because, yes, I think that's easy to do. I don't know. I think you want to please the Lord if that's the case. In John 7, 17, he said, when your will becomes my will, when your desire meets my desire, you'll know, God said, what Jesus, what I speak of myself or, or my father. He said, you'll know the doctrine. You'll know it. It'll make sense to you. It, it, it's all coming back. But it's not a command when, when you start obeying my commands. No, he said, when your desire, when you want to live pleasing to what I want is pleasing, then you'll know it'll make perfect sense and you can quit struggling with things. So what happens? How easy to dismiss tithes and offerings of saying it's just not in the New Testament. That's an easy way to sidestep your responsibility for what God told you to do. Okay? So why? Why some do not tithe and give offering? Number one, some have not been taught. And that that's true. Some just haven't been taught. Some do not set their tithes and offerings aside first. By the time it's done, all the bills are in the mail and gone, and all you have left is 100 bucks, if that many. How can I possibly tithe? Okay, hold on. You spent what wasn't even yours. You sold that car and made a profit. You said, no, I put it all down. You couldn't have got the car if you had not had the money to put down on that other car. It prospered you. Selling a house, same way. No? How were you able to get that house? Well, I had money to put down. Where'd you get the money to put down? And then you ran into somebody who gave you a good deal. Somebody prospered you, didn't they? Somebody helped you. All of this factors in, and the reason that churches like ours right now are struggling so much, it's not that there isn't the money here that we need. It's this thing about where do I fit into all this? What is it God requires of me? What is my part of the responsibility of this church? And you do have responsibilities. So some um, will not believe. Uh, where am I here? Oh, about New Testament Christianity. No, I'm beyond that. Number five, some will not or believe they cannot because of financial obligations. You've, you've overstretched yourself. Guess what came in the mail? It's just for now until we get ourselves out of this problem. No, you're digging a deeper hole. How will you ever get to the place where you can help others when the devil handed you a shovel and said, you're a pretty good digger, go ahead. And you said, okay, I will. And you just kept on digging, right? And then during services like this, you feel very guilty, if not angry, and simply saying to yourself, he just doesn't understand, he doesn't get it. It's like a person, when you go to a financial person, they'll tell you how to set up a budget, and in that budget, they'll say savings. Now, that never made any sense to me because I'm not making ends meet, and you said you should be setting something in savings all the time. Well, tell my creditors that I'm sorry I can't pay because I have to put money in savings. You're thinking the same way when it comes to tithes and offerings. We're not making ends meet. How can I do that? First of all, get it out of your head. 10% of everything you're prospering is not yours. So just set that aside. So quit looking at, hey, we could buy our nice bedroom suit, and, and but we'd have to use, I mean, we'd be right there on the line, and we'd have to pay a little more. And, and, and you're just talking yourself into something you probably shouldn't have done. And guess who's going to get left out of You think you're going to let them come and get your bedroom furniture? You see, Macy's, they'll force the issue to get their money back. The water department, yeah, they'll shut it off. But God ain't showing up at your house. Come on. He ain't showing up at your house and saying you owe. Come on, fork it over. It's mine. He 
he's not doing it, and you know that. You don't want to face this where you go like this. Honey, it's probably just Macy. Just, just get on the phone and tell him. Way to go, husband. Yay. Husbands are good at that, aren't they? Delegating authority. Right? Honey, it's not that big a deal. Just talk to him. If it's not that big a deal, sir, you talk to him. So if God came down and knocked on the door and said, I have a ledger here of exactly how much I prospered for you. Are there balanced? No. So some will not give because of their own debts. One way to absolutely make sure you never get out of debt, start robbing God when you know better. Go to Malachi. You know where I'm going with this, right? Go to Malachi. Yeah, that's Old Testament. Yeah, let's just get rid of the Old Testament. We don't need that one anyway. But if you don't have that, you can't prove Jesus is your, is your Savior. You got knuckleheads running around going, you know, the Bible doesn't prove there's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ stands on his own. You don't even know if he is the Christ without the Bible. That's so stupid. People are so dumb. Running around banging their heads in the wall. Go to Malachi chapter number 3. Look at verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Back then they gave grains and fruits and animals and they had storehouses for the priests and the priests would give the offerings and stuff and then whatever belonged to the priests, they had to also tithe off of it. So they had storehouses, okay? Now that would be the local church, but watch this very carefully. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, that there'll be enough to make things work. Bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse. And prove me. God said, okay, I know you may find this difficult. Put me to the test. See if I am misleading or deceiving. Just, just go ahead. Go ahead. I'm waiting to show you I keep my word. About what? Watch what he says. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows. Now, what are we talking about in context here? Going to church? Are we talking about soul winning? Are we talking about setting where I'm supposed to be in church or teaching myself? No, we're talking about money. We're talking about things that God has prospered you with. We're talking about things that benefit you. We're talking about the tithes and the offerings that belong to God. And he said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. Because I know how much our heart and our life is attached to our wallet. Really, we ought to quit carrying our wallet back here and start carrying it up here. Ladies do. They put it up here on the wall, right? Keep it close to their heart. Men, we put it back here in our pocket. But I thought that was funny. Anyway, so what happens is here he's saying, I'll tell you what I'll do. You trust me to do what I ask you to do. And I will open. Now, here's what you think. Open up the windows of heaven. I find out it's like this. Context, they were closed because somebody's not obeying God. So he said, okay, look, now here's what I'm telling you to do, and I want you to trust me on this. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. You trust me. You put me to the You prove me. I will open up the windows of heaven. Now, it took me and my family, me, it was my fault, about 20-some years before the windows opened. Don't play with me. By the way, we never starved. We were late on bills a lot, but we eventually paid them all. We owed school bills and we paid them. We had three kids without health insurance. We paid for them, and we're still paying for them. And so we did all that. You have to understand, you have been, you have been conformed to think like the world. Well, who's going to pay for your kids if you have them? You say, preach, it's a lot more expensive now. Made a whole lot less back then. It's pretty comparative when you start thinking about it. And so what you're doing, you're used to thinking in such a way, if you don't take care of you, you better look out for number one. What about the future? What if this goes wrong? All of these ifs and whats and you never knows. I know someone who fits that entire bill, and I am the proof, along with a lot of you people in here, that put God to the test, and look what you've done now. You say, preacher, how's it work? I don't know. The way it works is through obedience. It's just that simple. And so watch what he says here. If I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. Folks, look at me. I have been saved over 51 years. Not the first 25 or 30. Eh, making ends meet. 
Every time I got a chance, trying to give a little more, okay, trying to help out a little more, give somebody something over here because they were having a tough time. Ah, we're buying a car, but okay, I, I can put in something. I know I can, and we were barely making ends meet, but I did it. And now you look at me now and go like this. Well, yeah, if I were you. You mean now? You mean after God opened the windows of heaven? You mean after he told the devourer, not this guy, leave him alone. You mean after all of that? Oh, yeah, you'd like to be after me after I learned to trust the Lord and after I came real close to us. Look, I could tell you horror stories. You're going, you see, God had me back. We lived in a farmhouse. I just want to see if you're quiet. We lived in a farmhouse, had more windows than doors. I mean, had more windows than walls. I mean, just windows everywhere. You know how old farmhouse? No insulation. There were no insulation in the windows, none whatsoever. They didn't use probably newspapers they read and had in there. There was a winter, one of the worst winters we ever had. I was going out, no money, none. I would go down and buy uh, fuel oil. No, yeah, for heating, no, fuel oil. And the house we lived in had a 250-gallon fuel oil tank right outside. You know, it comes down into the furnace, you know, and then I couldn't afford that. I would go down to the gas station and buy five gallons of fuel oil. Had no place to go. I would come back home, prime the furnace inside, pour the rest of it in the tank. All of us slept in this great big farmhouse in one room. Blankets over all the windows, over all the doors. All of us slept together on the floor with every blanket. We, am I telling the truth? Every blanket we had. And by the way, I'm still here. All it was was a test. So when you, so you trust me, huh? Okay, good. So will you still trust me if you're doing right and it gets tough? Unexpected bill. You ever do this? Sometimes you go like, boy, if we didn't put our kids in school, you know how much money we'd have? Let your kids know how much they're valued to you, okay? They're not worth sending to school. Just tell them. How about this? Do you know how much we've given in tithes and offerings over the past 10, 15 years? Can you imagine if we kept that? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. That's not yours. No, 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 no. God blessed you with that. That belongs to him. And you promised it to him also. Okay, so what happens? Following God's financial uh, way of handling money and material things as time and learning occurs. Come on, somebody say amen. And that's where you go like this. Honey, did we pay all the bills this month? Yeah, we did. We have $20 left in the bank. Well, that's not much. Could have costed you. God doesn't say, I'll open the windows of heaven. You'll be a millionaire next year. No, that's charismatic garbage. How come it is that poor people keep giving to those guys all the time and they never really do get blessed? But it's like playing the lottery. You can't be blessed if you don't play. Come on. Why some do not tithe or give offerings? One, some have not been taught what God says. Number two, some do not set their tithes and offerings aside first. And once the money's gone, what are you supposed to be doing with it? Some, next, some have not made giving a habit. Number four, some have not accepted tithe as New Testament Christianity. And it is. Some, I'll show you other verses as we go on in, in future lessons. Some have other financial obligations. Number six, some are just going to live for themselves no matter what they do. That's just the way it is with most people. That's like saying family comes above everything. I'm going to tell you again, it does not. We have a new Christian in our family recently, about a week or two ago, that happened to ask, ask me, why is my family reacting to me this way since I started going to church? And I said, well, why is that so? And I showed him a verse where Jesus himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In context, he's talking about your family. He's talking about your family. A lot of things most of us can overcome, but family has a pull on us like nobody's business. 
So instead of saying with tears and a broken heart, I'm sorry, God, I have to go to Jesus. They walk out and say, and my wife said, I cannot live like me like you do, which I can't live without you. Why? We can't live without you. So, some are just going to live for self. You do not, you, you, do you know what tithes and offerings do around here? Have you ever stopped to think about it? Why do they need so much money? First of all, it's a lot of money to you. But with all the bills and everything we do around here, it's not that much money. You think because you have a big church, they must have a lot of money. No, they spend a lot. A lot of obligations. A lot of things need to be taken care of. We run buses, buy tracks, support missionaries, keep up the property, pay for land, build buildings, pay salaries, utilities, insurances, city regulations, printing, paper, diesel, gas, plow, on and on and on. It doesn't stop. And you gave what, $200? That doesn't come close. And by the way, the tithe itself will not pay for everything needs to be done. So I gave my tithe. Okay, so I'm, what are you giving to the Lord? No, no, I gave my tithe. No, that was already his. What are you giving to the Lord? I'm not trying to mean I'm just trying to explain the Bible to you. So you have to understand that any person, any person wants nice property. You don't want to come on here and watch the gutters down and paint peeling off the walls and, and, and the carpeting is a little crazy. But uh, these kinds of things, you get embarrassed when people come by. That's just the way it is in America. Other places aren't that way, but in America it is that way. And so what you want, it takes money to take care of all this. Do you know how many sweepers we have on this property? Probably seven or eight of them. Man, what do you need all those sweepers for? Because teenagers and other people use them, they get broke all the time. So guess what happens now? Now we've got to buy parts. More money. You have to understand, any person that knows anything, wants they want to reach the Lord. If you're a Christian at all, you want to reach the Lord for Christ. It takes money. Can't go with anybody that says that. To have the spiritual benefits of full-time staff. I will show you in the Bible where Paul talked about the natural things versus the spiritual things and which ones were the best. He said, you give unto me of your carnal things. I give unto you of my spiritual. And it's more of a benefit for you. If you had these guys or myself coming in from 40, 50 hours a week, being around cussing, yelling, stress, all that kind of stuff, it's not going to benefit you much. Old Testament, New Testament. Paul, Paul worked with tents. That's because he was trying to put some hypocrites in their place. That's all he was doing. Paul was willing to work with them. But that's not why he was making tents. He was making tents to shut people up who said, we have a right to have a tent, the same rights Paul has. Paul said, oh, you do? You're just like me? Okay, well, I'm going to work for a little while. They didn't like that part. So Paul told him, he said, now listen, I give unto you of my spiritual. You give unto me of your carnal, your natural stuff. Which has a greater value? This is what Paul's trying to teach. Same thing in the Old Testament. So what happens here, any person wants this nice stuff, yet does not tithe and give offerings to support the church they attend. That's selfish. Oh, it's too cold. Turn up the heat. Oh, it's too warm. Turn up the air conditioning. These aren't very comfortable. Try this chair over here. Oh, can we do this? Yeah, we'll go down the fellowship hall. Just a place to fellowship, fellowship, get together. Costs money. All this costs money. Every bit of it costs money. We're not trying to see how much money we can spend. But I'll tell you something I've always believed. If God is in a local church, and in that local church is in the hearts of the people the way they should be, then something has to be done. The means of that is in this church somewhere. Some people, finally, last one, they just refuse to be saved. I mean, the ones that want to try to teach them and the ones that try to convince them all the time and all this other stuff. They're just not going to. And they'll tell you that right off the bat. Anchor Baptist Church and her people have helped hundreds of people in and outside of our church with the finances, with the finances and the resources of God's people that give of their substance and of their time and money. We've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And what we require when people call here every 
try to help you with every extra bit of evidence. First thing is, once you do it, I want you to start coming to this church. So I go to a church and I do that. It's required in other churches. I'm just telling you, you need to come and do that. Secondly, if you work, you need to tithe. So what you want is groceries, help with your bill from what other people tithe and give to that you don't want to. And when you ask them, you say, look, we bring an agreement. We'll help you if you do this and this. Yeah, I, I just don't like helping. I don't understand that. I said, preacher, what do you do about it? I stopped helping. I'm not going to give what God has given us because of our obedience away to people who openly say, I don't believe in organizing churches. Then go somewhere else. So what happens here is they have, they have heard it and preached. These people have heard it and preached it. They've heard testimonies about what happens to people who have... Go talk to Brother Usher. Talk to the Wheelers. Talk to lots of people around here. Uh, Socks and Soren, uh, young couples, old couples. Talk to them. Do you tithe and give offer? Yes. Do you penny pinch to the Lord? I'd like to hear that. You give to show God. you buying something or giving more at all. But God blessed Abraham not because Abraham wanted to be rich. Abraham obeyed God and God just kept blessing him. And by the way, before the law, Abraham was tithing. Several people before the law. And it just so happened it was 10%. They just said, I don't know, we think 10%. And generations later they go, I don't know, we think 10%. So it wasn't just as Old Testament law. Before the, before the law, during the law, and after the law. Tithing and giving offerings is in the Bible. They know what's right. They're thankful that others do this. They could not have received the help that they did receive if it wasn't for people who tithe and give offering and give of themselves. But they do not want to tithe. Why? Church refuses. My money is my own. Now listen to me, folks. This is the church God gave us. Nobody outside here is going to help us. It's just us and God. We don't belong to an organization. We're, we're, not, we're not part of a denomination. We're an independent, fundamental Baptist church. Whatever God has given us, God has given us, and that's what we have to work with. You say, well, times are tough. I understand that. There have been a lot worse, tougher times than what people are facing in America right now. You're making a whole lot tougher than it needs to be. There were times you couldn't find a job on top of everything else. You can go out and get two or three jobs right now if you wanted to. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. It may not be the job you want. There was a time I, I applied for fast food places. They weren't hiring. Gas station, we used to pump and run after people and stuff. They weren't hiring. There was nothing there. So this isn't that tough. We just keep, the internet just keeps telling you how tough it is all the time. I'm not saying it's not getting rough. I'm not saying that it's tough at times. I like it better when people are happy. So we go back to that. But that's not the way to build up the church is hoping trouble is bad. But the economy is not getting better. So I have a suggestion. Don't stop giving tithes and offerings. Cut back on your spending. Be more frugal about what you buy, when you buy it, how you buy it. Now, I'm terrible at that. That's why my wife likes me to go to the grocery store. She said, honey, do you know what you paid for that? What's that help you need? Yeah, but honey, we paid, you know, to this store, and you know, we paid probably a dollar more. I said, I'm going to drive to another store for a dollar less. Now, she'll do that. I haven't got time for shopping. I go in, I see that that's what I want. Okay, well, how much was it? I don't know. That's what I want. I paid it. But there was a day that I didn't do the shopping because of that. And she would go, you think I'm kidding you? And she would turn all the cans around and look to see if they mislabeled or not. I found four cans of beans. They're supposed to be 35 cents each. Like she hit the the lottery. So you go, 
that we came up. We spent four hours in the store. The other day she came up, must have been four or five hours she was walking, walking through Macy's and stores. She came back with one little bag. I said, huh, you were gone for five or six hours. That's all you got? Honey, I was looking around. This is why I don't go shopping. But she's a smart shopper. So you can't just, don't do what I do. Please don't, that's a terrible illustration. But you have to understand, I had to learn all this. And when it bothers you in your heart that you can't give on someone else or purchase something that you can sell, immediately I start in the heart of, I don't have that much. That's why I have, I don't give. God knows your heart. And God will give you the desires of your heart. Thank God I picked up. All right, not mine, but got it. That easy. Glad you offered that. The reason is some of us have not been taught. Some of us were taught wrong. So we just kind of get it okay and we learn. You like all the benefits of Reverend Baptist Church until you read about Reverend Jim Shorter. You know, there's another generation coming up behind us. And they need this place. And there's nobody going to take care of it except us and God. And God told us, you want the windows open? That's what you do. You want me to cause the devourer to back away? He normally devours at this time and with that and says, no, 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 not now. No, 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 no. I open the windows for them. Get away from me. You think I'm kidding? I could tell you story after story of how God has blessed me. Some of you could do the same thing. 